We have got Bill Lawson, Deputy Coordinator of Emergency Management for the City of Richmond. He has been with the city for six years and before that, 10 years at VDEM. We also have John Natherson, who currently works for the City of Richmond Police Department as a Sergeant in Special Operations. He's been serving the city since 2009 and they are gonna be talking about their civil unrest experience. All right, so uh, good morning. I'm Bill Lawson with the Office of Emergency Management with the City of Richmond. Uh, I know many of you from all the, the years of emergency management through VDEM and, and with the city and some of those connections. And we did a lot of uh, networking and changing in how we did some of our business in the city uh, through some of the civil unrest and then uh, you know, also that whole COVID thing at the same time. Um, so that's what we wanted to kind of come and talk to you about today. And I just, do you want to give yourself a little intro or anything? Hi. My name is John Nathanson, uh, currently assigned to Special Operations Division for City of Richmond. Uh, so one thing that we cover are all of our events, planned events, unplanned events, whatnot. Look forward to talking to you this morning about some of the things that we found out about civil unrest that I'm sure we're going to see in the future that your agencies might be able to take back. If you have any questions afterwards, feel free to see me. I'll give you my contact info. All right, so we want to give you guys a background of what it was, right? Um, it's funny, we have, not funny, we had a school burn down, and I've been like, did you hear about that? And nobody has, because you're not in Richmond, right? So we wanted to make sure we kind of give you a little bit of background of what we were dealing with and what was happening in the city at that point in time. Some of our ICS structure and emergency management and how those things fit together. Uh, some of our resource management and issues, that sort of thing. <clears throat> the, the networking piece, that was another big, big thing that came out of how we make, make some of this stuff move. Um, then some of just our, our challenges in general, and then we'll, we'll do Q&A for that. So, kicking it off. All right, so, show of hands, had anybody heard that we had unrest in here? In the city of Richmond? <laughs> All right, let's switch that around. Who didn't know? <laughs> Nobody, right? What do we know about this? I'm, I'm very interactive here, all right? I, those that know me, Patrick knows me, a few folks know me, I'm interactive here, so whoever's gonna fall asleep, I'm probably gonna call on you. You wanna leave, that's fine, all right? So what started civil unrest in, what was the big event that happened prior to civil unrest that day? Does anybody know? Biggest event? No, blowing up a building. For us it was. So the night, not a lot of people know, the 30th, the 29th, uh, this is Officer Cress up here, he's a partner at SOD, soon probably be leaving him to go to another division, so he'll be taking all my roles, he's looking forward to that, it's the first time I've told him, so <laughs> make sure you get in the card, he's going to be busy, alright? So the 29th, uh, Will and I, we had an event planned, it's called the Dominion, anybody use Dominion Power in here? Yep, we got to blow their building up, alright? Uh, we imploded their building that night, uh, the, the next day on the 30th, so the 29th, we, had, uh, we did a pre-inspection of a building, basically where they send all the bills out, and uh, they were going to blow that building up that night. It was a planned event, all right, because they're going to put a new building up. Uh, that night, we get, I'm getting calls off the chain, hey, is the event still on tomorrow? Are we still blowing up the building? I'm like, yeah, why do you call me for hang up? We're driving in. And the situational awareness, I'll say, and this gets into it further, uh, I had no idea what was going on. It was, we didn't have anything the first night, so the night before we blew that building up, we were launching tear gas. Uh, we came in at three in the morning. I may have driven into zones, and I'm sure Will drove into zones too. We were like coughing a lot, because it was only blocks away from where we had that building implosion. 
that we were having riots, that at two or three in the morning we were deploying tear gas, right? That two or three in the morning we had people lighting stuff on fire, um, had all that stuff going on. So for our department, um, and we'll get into this a little bit later, not going into super detail, but the situational reports, putting that stuff out to all of our partners as well. We ended up blowing that building up and then working a very long day because we had unrest that night. So at three in the morning, and that when I got a call, I was like, "What is? Was the building? Did I sleep late? What's up with the building implosion?" And it was one of those like, "Oh no, that's not what this is," you know, because you hit that point where you're like, "And did I oversleep? Why are they calling me?" And it was like, "No, this isn't for the building." Well, then what is it for? And that's that's how it kicked off because we were gonna be there for the building. I think at four a.m. <laughs> so it was three a.m. I was like, "Nope, time to get up and start dealing with that." So for us, that's where it started. Um, it started with you know the demolition of a, a building, and then just rolling into there. Uh, what else did we have over the summer uh, issues that we had last summer? Everybody had them in here. COVID, right? The masks and whatnot. So we were dealing with COVID as well. Uh, what law enforcement do I have in here? Somebody, anybody that's sworn law enforcement? So for those of you who don't know, we have a huge shortage right now too of, of officers, all right? And, and there's a reason I bring this up because this is a real big selling point for you as I think the majority of people, emergency management, historically have not had the best relationship always. They're always fighting back and forth with information, right? Of what type of information you're getting from your law enforcement partners. Uh, I'm, I'm here to try to give you some information of how you can talk to those agencies and say, hey, you know, Richmond does it this way. I'm not saying that they're the end all be all, but it helps them a lot. And I, I will say there's not one agency in Virginia that's gonna say they're lower staffed than we are. All right, I'll put Will on the spot here. Uh, no, nah, I won't put Will on the spot, it wasn't Will. We'll say it wasn't Will, right? He didn't get stopped a few weeks ago um, by a trooper and he was like, oh, you work for the city of Richmond? Oh, you do? Oh, dang, you guys are really at a bad staffing shortage. Okay, man, sorry for everything you're dealing with. Have a great day, right? So it's a staffing issue, too. Um, you know, it's bringing those things up of, of trying to go to these models. Uh, this is in 2020, right? We had elections. So we had that going on at the same time where people were trying to plan, use the same people and resources for the same planning for the different events. Um, all the COVID testing sites were all happening at the same time. We had a discussion at one point where they were like, Richmond PD needs to step up because we need their security at the, at the shelter site. And it was like, we have 13 motorcycles and one guy that can drive them. We don't have the people. So here's the security firm that the city uses. Feel free to reach out to them. We just don't have the personnel. All right, when you dial 911, they're going to come, but we can't have them sitting at the, shell, at the, at the uh, testing sites or the vaccination sites just waiting, right? So there was a lot of other stuff happening. And this isn't even like normally we have special events galore. So a lot of that stuff wasn't happening. So it was just like switching modes and just this ongoing thing throughout the summer of which emergency are we kind of looking at? So. Be the last thing to talk, I guess. That is, is every week we, we're running events. So uh, for us, I know we talked to our partners of Virginia Beach who have, are luckily to have some non-sworn to help them out. For our, our stuff, everything is sworn. Uh, it's just how our system's built. So all of our IAPs and everything like that, they're, they're only touched by sworn. There's some things we'll send light out and we'll talk, talk about later to our partners in fire department, OEM, et cetera. Um, but everything kind of, majority of it starts as a sworn spot. The reason I bring that up is event-wise, 
Um, I could say this guy right here is probably doing three or four IPs a week. All right, so just keep that in consideration. The, the big thing, the difference is he can c continue to do that. Three or four a week is no issues for him. But once we threw an incident into, the, into play and now you're under a strict timeline, we found we, we really weren't ready for it. Um, just all these different things coming up, um, working with a strict timeline of getting guys out there as quick as we can was something that really bit us uh, pretty hard. So now doing more of that training-wise, uh, which we'll start doing to do the, the quick timelines of going through that planning P, I think was something that we're going to work on help us out. All right, so now that you kind of know what we were looking at through, through that, uh, that fun summer, <clears throat> so some of the things that we came, came out with and, and dealt with, right? <clears throat> Everybody in public safety, the acronyms in ICS, they're, they're fairly familiar with. So what do we do when we need to bring in our public works guys that haven't invested in any ICS, right? That's a, that's a problem because when you start talking to them about training and they're like, we're short staffed too, I can't send somebody to a week long training, it's just not happening. So what that does for us is that creates a lot of problems. And uh, I remember at one point having a conversation with a sergeant and he kept referring to the EOC, as the, the ICP as the EOC. And I said, well, Lieutenant, and he goes, I'm a sergeant. I was like, well, then stop calling it the EOC. Words matter, right? So, so that's it because, right? Are they the same thing? They're not the same thing. And what we did in the beginning is um, our office had set up the basement of the library. So we've got an EOC in a closet. That was set up with all kinds of great technology. It was pretty much the one big space in the city that had that. So we started using it for special events. So now you've got the folks that are running special events regularly calling it the ICP, where we're like, no, no, it's the EOC. So it created a lot of confusion with what function does what, right? What is an EOC you do different than an ICP? So we've had a lot of that. And you know, like I said, we've used that same facility for both so many times. In 2015, oh my God, we hear about the bike race in the city all the time. Well, in 2015, it's like, guys, that's getting close to 10 years ago, right? <clears throat> but we used that facility, instead of it being an EOC, it became the ICP because it had the technology and things in there to drive it. <clears throat> so that's one of our other issues there, right? Is we've been so used to having like just this command piece be a, hey, it's over here, it's in the truck, it's, you know, there they are. That now it's like, hey, we need this space well, how do we have our EOC running at the same time that we're using this giant thing for the ICP? So we'd, we were bumped to our alternate location to run the, the EOC piece for a lot of these events because we, we had this ICP set up. Well, well, then, guess what's coming right past our EOC and right past the library was a lot of our civil unrest. So we had to actually move and go to another facility. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later on, I believe. Um, Y'all know the self-professed gurus, right? Yeah, we know. Um, we, uh, anybody seen the, the FEMA acronym book? I mean, there's a thing, it's a FEMA acronym. So we would have these folks that now have command folks from, from law enforcement at the table, and they're talking about loafers, and uh, the PSC is this, and at this, and they're like, I have no idea what you're saying. Go sit down over there, right? 
It wasn't pretty, but it was one of those, you gotta use that plain language and you gotta talk to them so that they're understanding that ICS piece and how it ties to them if they've not had any experience with it. Yeah, so like we bring that up a lot. Um, it can get somebody hurt, hurt very quickly. All right, we, we joke about it in here because most of us know what a SOFR is, a LOFR is, right, all that stuff. But if you're bringing, what we did in the past is we brought officers out, you know, that they might be light duty, right? They can't hit the road, but they want to help. They want to do something. I say, all right, you're a SOFR, you're a LOFR. And he's like, I got it, all right, I'll run with it. I know what I'm doing. He's like, all right, I'm doing logistics. I'm the SOFR doing logistics. All right, what do you need me to do? Crap, all right. So it's for us, what, you know, we try to explain all of, we not dumb it down per se, but we try to talk about what each role is um, across the board, even for us. So, you know, Crest doing this full time or me doing this full time, when we get an event or an incident, we, that's one of the way we've done to mitigate things. Doesn't matter the level of experience you have, is kind of the delegation of authority within that role itself has helps a ton of whose lane you're gonna be in, right? Um, but it, it does have a huge safety th aspect as well or did in the past for us, because if they don't know what they're doing, or they think they're supposed to be doing something else, then you can leave a role completely untouched. How many folks had other events besides COVID in their jurisdiction during all of COVID things, right? <clears throat> what did you do to include that into now your normal, here's your COVID stuff, right? What'd you do to bring that event in? Did you keep it as a separate event? Did you put out two sit reps? So that's, what, that's some of the stuff that we, we looked at doing is how are we giving leadership some of that information? How are we integrating that daily COVID operations along with you know the sometimes daily calls with health department folks and that sort of thing into that, oh, and by the way, tonight everybody's gotta be working as well. So <clears throat> we really had to get some of our situation report stuff dialed in so that people could tell this is for this event, that's for this, <clears throat> and who, who that stuff needs to go to as well. So that, that also changed throughout the event, as you can imagine. Um, that initial challenge up there too, where like I said, you know, we had this great facility and we've got, you know, EOC, ICPs, the same thing from some of our folks. And that really kind of changed how we're like, wait, we got to fit these two pieces together. This is the EOC running, here's the incident, how do we tie all that in? And we end up basically making reporting that, that kind of fit that and was dynamic enough that as people were like, can you fix this to it? We were able to make some of those changes as we went. And the big thing with our ICPs is to, um, even when we're just using them as event command posts now, we've reestablished, you know, looking at different uh, areas, using different spaces. Um, and it sounds simple enough, but for police-wise, I mean, when the police come into a space to use it as an EOC, what are some things that we're bringing? Does anybody know? Guns. Guns. Those are pretty mobile. I bring that with me wherever I go. Uh, anybody, any jurisdictions here have drones? Okay, how you get your feeds in. If you have uh, air units, so city of Richmond, uh, I've got four, three to four aircrafts I can use at any time. I've got two other aircrafts from state police but I require basically daylight to use it. When I say daylight, I mean I have to take a box outside majority of the time and run it to the roof. It's called a downlink to see what that and have a line of sight issue and all that stuff. It's like a long cord basically, run for the plane, no. Uh, but you have to have that line of sight. Um, so what we're doing is with a lot of our new events now, we're moving them to different locations 
trying these things out. So if we have a pop-up incident pop up, we can say, hey, we've used this before. Our radios work here. Our downlink works here. All of our Intel stuff can go in here. We can get a secure connection with our Dropboxes and everything like that. And that's just one way that you're not, it's hard to get a, a day or so of training in, but when we incorporate that with our events, it just sets us up in the future you know, to be uh, more progressive. And uh, that, that changing needs piece, that was a big part of it. Um, Y'all don't know the scary bits when the door closes behind you and you're on the roof and you're like, oh shit, where's my phone? Who can I call to let me back in? Because um, you're up there like, let's get this downlink up and in place and you're carrying cords up and down ladders to make it happen so that you can pull that feed in where it needs to go. And uh, when we were at one of the police precincts throughout the summer, because again, we had to move away from our, our preferred location because it was in the middle of where all this stuff was happening. Our EOC is, what, three, four blocks away from the police headquarters that we lost a v, uh, one of our DPW trucks there. They had put uh, concrete, I mean, they, they fortified police headquarters. So it's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't have the ICP two blocks from that where all the police cars would be out front. So we ended up trying to create this at the second precinct, which was it about a quarter of this room total? Yeah, so <laughs> you would think that what well, we've learned too, and that's, I didn't bring this up, but when we talk about using all these locations, uh, we're not talking about always using government buildings. So we'll go out to convention centers, um, we'll use our war memorial, a bunch of different spots. Because what we found is what you think would be the safest place for us in the city would be police headquarters, right? Did anybody see police headquarters during the riots? What did it look like? A hot mess. Was that why I was on fire? I'm not joking. We had cars on fire outside. We had trucks on fire outside. At times we had barbed wire around it. At times we had the National Guard outside pushing people away. We had officers assaulted, officers shot. Not a lot of people know that. We had two officers shot that are still recovering. Had another one that had acid burns down the side of him. All right. It plays, what you guys do is very important for the emergency side of it, of making sure that we're in line. Because if, if we don't have good relationships with, I talk about Joe over here, with our EMS partners and knowing how we're going to get our folks out, they're going to pay at the end of the day. And there are things that we take responsibility for sometimes, we take it home with us, that we didn't, you know, we, the things that we didn't look at and we look at now, we look at it as training saying, hey, in the future, we need to have a better relationship. You know, we have to have a better command structure. We have to have a better location for these ICPs um, or EOCs, wh whatnot, uh, that's, that's safer for the officers. Because at the end of the day, I mean, they, they can get injured pretty badly. And I think following on that, just that safety piece as well, um, most of the stuff we've done in the city is that special event, right? Where it's wait for somebody to get hurt, right? So a lot of it's easy planning. It's the like, oh, it's the same IAP from last year. We'd use, we've got a great mobile command bus that we'd use as a command post. So we didn't do a lot of that. Hey, what about that building? Hey, the war memorial's right near here. Why aren't we working and talking with them? So some of those ICP needs that we've seen have kind of set this, here's what we need to be looking for so that we're identifying structures not necessarily like we like that one, right? But 
does it have all the stuff that we want to make sure that we have for an ICP? And, you know, again, when we're having our folk festival, I mean, the public comes up. I mean, I'm, I went to the command post one year for the folk festival and two of my neighbors were in there like, oh, we were wondering if you were here, right? That's not happening during civil unrest. So how do we make sure that our, our location is secure as well? So we had to work through a lot of those. Where is it going to be? How can we can secure it? Who's coming and going? Cop cars are identifiable, right? So how do we make sure that they are not a, we know where they are and start heading that direction. And then uh, with our outside partners and resources. Uh, we, did, we did some of those, you know, working with our different uh, internal and external partners for space. We've made a lot of strides in that. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so we've used, uh, I'll go back a little bit. Our, our catch-all is if something happens, we use police department, right? You use your, your own house. You know where everything's set up at. So we'd use our headquarters. Well, it's, it's hard to get to headquarters when you have cars burning down in front of headquarters. It, trust me, we've tried to do it, it's, it's, it's a pain. So for us, we have precincts. All right, it's great to get to precincts, but when they're surrounded by people that just came from the, the marshmallow roast, it's, it's hard to get to those as well. Next downfall is going to the fire department. I gotta go to the fire department and use their facilities. The problem we have is like he was saying, you have marked cars outside of a fire department. Everybody loves the fire department. We have firefighters in here probably. Everybody loves them. But then when they see police cars out there, now they start to form around them. So what we started to do is we use Richmond Ambulance. Um, we use different other authorities that, that already had that security kind of built in. Our Department of Communications, we can use their, their facility as well. Uh, it's just different ICPs. I can't stress how much that, that played a part over the summer. Uh, so who else is from an urban environment? How's parking? <laughs> yeah, so that's where, you know, how do you bring a thousand first responders together when it's like, it's a paid lot, right? So we actually worked with Philip Morris, got to use some of the, the um, unused facility they have, so they use that for staging. And, you know, there was some concern, right, because this is all going on, and they're like, we know we're not near that, but is there any concern with all these police cars or are people going to start targeting us? So. They had to work with them to dissuade those fears as well so that we could continue to have those spaces available to us. And we wouldn't have thought that we'd be working with, you know, Altria Philip Morris for a parking lot to stage in, but it happened and it worked great. You want to start with the planning meetings? So for us during civil unrest, the, the planning meetings through a traditional planning period were harder because you had a lot of stakeholders. Uh, in particular, you, know, you have the mayor, you have uh, the governor of Virginia at the time, as well as the, the, mon the people that are at the monuments, the people that own the monuments, legislative, the magistrates, you have a lot of, we had just ridiculous amount of stakeholders. Um, and our plans meetings ended up, tactics meetings, got derailed a lot by politics. Not in a bad way, everybody that brought things to the table were, were legitimate, but the, the problem we ended up having is we, we, we exited the planning P a little bit, uh, went to more of a law enforcement centric, first responder centric, uh, only having those folks into certain meetings. Uh, you can almost think of it as a command and general staff. And then moving on to the rest of the planning P with the plans meeting at the end, 
being a little particular about what information we put out there and leads to the next bullet point of law enforcement sensitive, right? So uh, what Bill has helped us out with, with OEM is we'll go over once we finish an IIP, everybody wants it. Everybody wants to know who's working at this precinct, who's working the gate, you know, who the bouncer is, right? And I get it, you wanna go back to your administrators, uh, but for me to say no, it, it, it puts a big bind on that relationship, right? If, if, if Joe emailed me and said, hey man, I need this right now, I pick on him because we went through a class together. That, yeah. Uh, I need this information now. Even though I know Joe, we've broken bread together, we've, we've had lunch, through our policy, I can't send it to him. I, it just has too much information there. So what we do now is, is we, after all, we go through all the meetings, we have a planning, planning meeting, and even our planning meeting at a higher level, the plan's approved. I get together with him and then we break down the IAP just to have the key people. So that it basically will have the 203 on there. Um, so it doesn't show you exactly how many folks I have out in the field, whether it's you know, on, a, on a given night we might have for civil unrest, about 700 out on the road. Um, on a high night, what about 900 or so? Um, that's a lot of resources to track but it will just say, hey, we have five or six groups and he can articulate however he wants to interpret it from there. Oh, that's what, that's what I was trying to follow on your law enforcement sensitive. Uh, so what's been a big change for us? I got a call a couple weeks ago that was, hey, we need that computer, the screen, and can we get that uh, projector as well? We're like, cool, what's it for? And I was like, mm, can we tell them what it's for? And I went, let me change that. I don't care what it's for, but if you don't tell me when you need me to be available. And they were like, oh, it's for this car thing where we're trying to bust people. And I was like, that's cool. Just if it's Saturday night and you don't tell me, you might get Bill going, I'm at the movies. I can't help you, right? So we've gotten to that point where now it's like, hey, we need your stuff. And we're like, when? Not a, what is it? You know, because... For us to support them, we don't need to necessarily know what the tactics and what they're really trying to do so much as let me know when I can be there so if you need something, we can make it happen. Right, and I'm sticking more with that. That law enforcement sensitive part, what we found a few times too um, is that we'd conduct investigations on how information was getting out. How did they know we would be here? How did they know we would be there? And some of it was malice and, and you know, people were leaking information and we dealt with that accordingly. But some of it wasn't, all right? We get targeted all the time as cops. I'm sure everybody knows a cop in here where they're like, they don't put a lot of stuff on Facebook, right? They don't put a, well, majority don't put a lot on Facebook or social media. But what we see a lot is you guys are doing great, great work. You want to show, hey, you know, I'm helping here at this ICP, helping, you know, city of Richmond, helping what, you know, helping them out. You know, we found one or two cases that just that picture, you know, with unique glass behind a, uh, somebody else might follow that person that, you know, had a different political thought and they would pass that on to another person and they would put one-on-one -on -one together and say, nope, the ICP is at, uh, they're staging all these guys there, go ahead and block it in. And we had that happen numerous times, all right? So don't take it the wrong way. If your law enforcement partners are like, hey man, like I can't give this to you or we don't want pictures taken inside of our command posts, it literally is that you know you could have the best intentions in the world, and if that information gets out, it really puts a crimp on our operations. That also fits back to that facility piece too. Like, how are we going to make sure that we can maintain it? Um, I got another good one here, right? So when we've got that first initial briefing at your EOC, who's there, right? It's not the workers. It's Everybody comes, right? Because the mayor's going to be there, so I need to be there so the mayor can see that I'm there, and I might as well bring my two guys. 
So we had that kind of stuff happening too, right? Where people were trying to bring a friend and it's like, I don't think you understand this isn't that kind of environment. Um, but then you also have that other piece of who are they and can I tell them that without getting in trouble, right? Because we would have folks that would come from, from different organizations that would try, I don't want to say try to get information out of us, but want to be involved, but it's also one of those, like I said earlier, I don't care what you're doing, just call me if you need me, just tell me when so that we can be available for that. It's like a liaison officer being able to help guide people through, right? Uh, bring them in. You're with that liaison officer so everybody else knows their kind of credential or what they can and can't look at and just get them through in and out quick. Uh, show of hands, who hasn't had or hasn't been in an ICP before? So everybody's been in one, right? Every single person? So I can pick on one random person? Yes, do. Yep, you're not making eye contact. You're still not making eye contact. There we go. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so you've been in an ICP before. Have you had security there? Police? Not always. All right. Uh, the one time you had police there, one or two cops? One. Lazy person? You could be honest. <laughs> they usually just stay in their car, right? So one thing to take back to, to your organizations, if, if you run into this, is we did the same deal. All right? If it's got somebody that's borderline light duty, hey, put them on command post security. There you go. You're good to go. We had multiple nights where that command post security guy was like, this is the worst job ever. Like, why am I fighting these people off here? And why am... So it's just to have those, you know, bring back is to have those contingencies of different teams that could respond back to your command post. We take that stuff for granted. We have in the past events before civil unrest we took for the past. We could always cut that guy. Hey, I've got officers inside that could, that could protect this place. You can't do that anymore. Um, you have to have that contingency there to have... I mean, we had multiple nights where we had to send... 30 to about 75 officers to protect an ICP. All right, so that's, that's why I bring up the importance of location. So the other piece of this too was um, in a year previous when we do one of our many special events and we were at the library there, um, it became a, a, a point of fun for me with some of our law enforcement is when we wrapped up the event, the they were like, okay, we're done. We'll see you guys later, right? I went upstairs because we're in the basement of the library. I go upstairs. There's nobody there and the doors are open. So that was a lot of fun to talk about when we bring this up because it was like, are y'all going to be here the whole time, right? Because I don't know how many libraries you guys have. Ours are used for people that need jobs, people coming in out of the cold. So it's not just a library anymore. And when the doors are open, you better watch out because people are coming in. They hang out out front of the library waiting for the doors to open. So that was one of those like, things that we kept bringing to the table with was like, all right, who's here? How are we keeping security? Where's my stuff being locked up <laughs> when it's not in use or, or how do I know it's coming back to us? So we had a lot of those little, little pieces and discussions through the, the command button. Yeah, we've changed ours a little bit too. Like we used to always have that not old timer there, but somebody that would be an easy assignment for, but for our check-in and check-out, we put somebody there that's, I hate to, hope nobody's offended, but that's an asshole. Because you get a lot of people that just, hey, I've got a uniform, I, I mean, I do it all the time, just walk in, I'm supposed to be here, right? They're not gonna question a firefighter, they're not gonna question anybody that, that looks legit, all right? Um, anybody heard, moving a little bit off this, but lobby day? Anybody been to lobby day? All right, so far in the back, I'd say I'd make this interactive. 
What type of what type of folks are at Lobby Day? Okay. All right. So lots of people that are armed, right? Have you been? And my family's gone as well. Did you go? Did you partake in Lobby Day? Awesome. So could you tell the difference between? Because you're, what agency are you with, sir? What agency are you with? Okay, yeah, H okay, I recognize you now. You're skinnier. Um, so, could you tell the difference, not being from our area, between our SWAT teams and folks that were visiting the event? No. Because people showing up there were wearing green, they're wearing body armor, absolute right, they want to, but I guarantee you if we didn't have good security at our command post, do you think they could have just walked straight in? Yep. So now I have somebody that's fully armed, Kevlar helmet, full body armor, hundreds of rounds that could have taken out your whole IC, you know, command post. All right, so that's, that's why we bring up that security is really, really crucial. Oh, yay, resource management. Um, <clears throat> we had a, a slight issue with fencing. <laughs> and we did have a point where, where one of the, there was a miscommunication on how much fencing we needed with one of these companies, and it was like, oh, oh crap, right? Our public works folks don't keep that much fencing around. We have some in our um, parks. <clears throat> he goes, hey, I know someone in Virginia Beach that I said that we've got fencing. So I, what I do is I pick up the phone, hey, Danielle, I hear you guys have some fencing that we might be able to use. Can I send somebody down to get it? So what we did is through that like just personal relationship, right, we used the statewide mutual aid forms to make sure that we kind of had those pieces signed off. Um, I'm going to skip down a little bit, I think, on here too. Nope, it might be on something else. We did a lot of requests as the city that said, as long as there's no costs associated with this, so when we were looking at some of these things, right, when we talk fencing, that can be very expensive. Um, you know, with our monuments right now, that's one of the issues that it hasn't come back to the city yet is the city said, don't hand us that plot of land with a fence around it. You know, get the fence down, fix the land up right, and then we'll, we'll, we'll take it back. So that fencing sat up for a long time. That's, those are huge costs. So when we start to bring in those things and we can rely on our partners and people that we know to pull in those fencing pieces. So after that, we started working with some of the other folks. We started getting things from the raceway and some of the other partners that we had to reach out to to look at that. They really didn't fit kind of that statewide mutual aid. We were just reaching out to, to our friends, but it, it started with that whole, I know somebody in Virginia Beach that has fencing. And it, it was, a, I think the, you guys sent some folks down, picked up fencing, and Virginia Beach was like, we don't want the Richmond fencing back. Make sure our, our fencing comes back to us. And we get it. You know, ours had been through a summer of things thrown at it and all that good stuff at that point in time. Um, we did have a lot of reliance on our mutual aid. You want to talk to that, Pete? Yeah. Um, anybody familiar with how Richmond's set up with the counties next to us? So we have Richmond City in the middle, Henrico County, Chesterfield County, technically Hanover doesn't really touch us, but they're part of our, our aid agreement, right? Um, show of hands, which jurisdictions here do you have mutual aid set up already with your already standing? If you have already one set up, can't pick on you anymore, Joe. You, sir. You, who are you with? 
Fredericksburg. So who do you have mutual aid set with? Cool. So would you say you rely pretty heavily on them? Like if something went wrong? Did they keep coming? Got it. Okay. You know where I'm leading with this? Um, so with us, we rely heavily on our mutual aid with Chesterfield and Henrico. Um, and I'm sorry, I left out Virginia State Police as well. I mean, when we say we rely heavily on them, we rely heavily day-to-day -day operations. Um, our department's a little unique in the sense that on a Friday night, depending if we had a little more staffing, it wouldn't be uncommon that you see a Henrico car in the city with a Henrico and a Richmond officer in it, and they share cars. All right, they're vice versa. A Richmond officer will ride out in the county, um, might not have full jurisdiction out there, but we, that's how much we have aid. What we noticed in the summer, does anybody know what happened in the summer with us with that? We had officers getting arrested, all right? We had, we had officers essentially being arrested, so the counties kind of froze that. Uh, they wouldn't come into the city, uh, so that changed, changed things for us significantly. The reason I bring this up a lot is to still have those partners from further jurisdictions. Uh, I can tell you right now, I think we'll probably agree with me, if it wasn't for Virginia State Police staying with us the whole time, you might not have Richmond, for sure. All right. Um, so even having those two, it sounds like you had a great relationship with those two jurisdictions. Always do expand out is what we've learned. I mean, we go as far out. <clears throat> we go to the airport police now. Um, I saw Jason Burroughs in here. We have a great relationship with the National Guard now as well. Things that we never thought we would have to reach out that far to that we reach out to all the time. Um, our biggest go-to now, believe it or not, <clears throat> is a... Uh, Game and Inland Fisheries, all right? They come into the city all the time now. Uh, we were talking about a fishing trip. We're going with them a little bit, learn how to, learn how to ride the boat around. Uh, but they come into the city all the time. They love coming in the city for the short periods and then going back out to the counties. But it's, it's mending those relationships and having somebody I can go to real quick and say, hey, we got an event this weekend. I'm short-staffed. Um, you know, can we just cover it this way or whatnot? And we can get it covered usually pretty quickly between Game and Inland Fisheries now, and then even with state police. Another big piece of this too, right? <clears throat> when you saw on the news and we saw the stuff that was happening and, you know, you're a law enforcement in Chesterfield, you might not want to be, hey, look, Chesterfield's here in the city with the city cops, right? So we also had that like visibility piece of it where people were kind of like, we don't want to be in your spotlight, Richmond, so I don't think we can help you today. And uh, that was... I think unsaid, but happened more than we yeah, wanted the, it to. The last part of that too is, it, I, I painted the picture a little biased because I'm a city of Richmond officer and I'm here, right? Um, but the other side of it is Henrico and, and Chesterfield will deal with protests of their own too. So their primary focus is to take care of their communities, right? It's not to take care of the city problems. Um, it's just one thing, you know, it's great to have that one mutual aid, but to go far out. Uh, because what we found a lot is all the troopers we were bringing in were from Southwest Virginia where they weren't having a lot, a lot as many issues. Um, so they would come up here because they weren't dealing with stuff. But the troopers that were assigned to Richmond were, were packed because day-to-day operations were still happening, if not busier with more people being in the city. So the other thing that we've kind of, you know, are starting the, the piece of is <clears throat> when we talk about mutual aid, right, 
all right, yeah, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, right? Well, we got our back scratched a lot. So how do we do it where we can fix that and say, hey, instead of this being mutual aid, we can hire some of these officers from these different areas to help fill in those gaps. So we're trying to look at how we can regionally share that resource beyond that mutual aid piece, right? And we have a pretty wide mutual aid network here that we're gonna to try to, to work that with because it's gonna get experience for folks. Maybe some of those smaller jurisdictions that wanna host event but can't because they got you know four guys on duty at any given time, that we can create that kind of sharing through that mutual aid that's already established. So. Um, we didn't use any EMAC. We had a lot of discussions about it. Um, we were heading times where we'd have people call me on Thursday going, we need this LRAD tomorrow. I'm like, okay, so do you guys know what an LRAD is? See, so go ahead, Donna, I know you gotta know. Long range acoustic device. The National Guard has one. So I was like, y'all, this isn't, this is how this happens. You can't be like, hey, we need this one resource tomorrow at 8 a.m. and it's like four o'clock. <clears throat> so that, we had a lot of those things that happened. And we got that understanding to start come together of, this, this is not a, we can make things happen, right? <clears throat> it's also one of the things that we got used to is all those resources, the state police that were there, because the governor had a declaration, we got those resources. So that made a huge difference, right? Because that's where we kept going, can you extend the declaration for us, please? And that happened all the way up until August, but that didn't stop the protesters, right? <laughs> they didn't go, oh, the declaration's gone, we'll leave Richmond alone for a little while. Um, so we had a lot of discussions about EMAC and that's one of those things with the statewide mutual aid and how we reach out further that we'd love to explore that a little bit more and how we can work better with that because it was one of those trying to explain to some of our folks who needs to sign what and why and, and how that worked. Um, that's one of those pieces of training we want to make sure they're, they're better at. So we did a lot of work with here's the form, here's how we fill it out. It was great doing with, with, with Virginia Beach for fencing when there really wasn't any kind of costs or anything included with that, so it was a good dry run. Um, but that's where we worked through several things and having them understand that there were costs and we reached out and we had a couple mutual aid things that never played out. It was like, okay, let's work, let's make it happen. But because of changing needs, we were like, all right, we're good, we don't need that resource, which worked out well. Um, but there was definitely some apprehension when we start talking about not normal logistics, right? Not using our, our P card to go buy things. And you know, when, when we were like, no, the, it's coming from Virginia Beach, this fencing, they were like, what, why, well, huh? And it's because we worked out that, that relationship piece to make it happen. Um, that's one of those things that, that was kind of my takeaway is how do we get them more comfortable with how we work with external resources and partners. So. Hmm? Oh yeah, we can talk about that. You wanna talk about that part or me too? So, uh, show of hands, does any, any departments in here rent of vehicles by chance? Nobody, <laughs> just us? Man, we must be doing something wrong. Um, what do we think about renting vehicles when I say for, for different events? Good idea, bad idea? No opinion? <laughs> oh, no, I can't pick on you. Get insurance? 
Okay. Liability. Okay. For us, it was a great idea. Uh, we just simply didn't have the vehicles. We couldn't get the vehicles in time short enough. Uh, we had specific vehicles. So at any given time, I'd have 20, 25 sprinters rented from Enterprise to move guys around. Uh, gives a little bit for us. Tactical advantages gave us a lot too because we could change our vehicles up. They didn't say marked police on it. Guys were being targeted. So for us, it helped a ton. Uh, I can tell you the Enterprise rental place was like, I've never seen a vehicle come back like with fire damage before, right? Uh, <laughs> it's like, all right, man, here you go. Like, it became a joke when our guys were picking stuff up. Like, they wouldn't even ask if we want the insurance. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll definitely need that on this. This thing's going to be toasted. But it, you, you get to a point where you're, they're like, I don't know if we keep on renting to them. Uh, but it, it keeps on going from there. So, like, we use, we target harden a lot of stuff. I was talking to some folks from the beach uh, before about target hardening, right? Uh, Richmond, Mar Who's run the Richmond Marathon in here before? Everybody signed up for this year, I take it, right? Did you run it? When did you run it last? Last year? Oh, cool. This year I had it. Nothing, had, nothing bad happened. Uh, do you remember any of the target? Did you see any of the target hardening we did? What did you see? Okay. Mostly blacking out. So we use a lot of truck. Before, we would, we would have certain intersections where we've had is issues with. We would harden those. Now, any event we have, we harden everything. Um, so with that being said, like, you have upwards, just as a ballpark for a 10K for us, upwards of 100, 130 posts. So that's 130 vehicles that I need. Another little background in Richmond, all of our officers don't have vehicles. We hot, we hot our cars, right? So basically our cars run 24 hours a day. One shift gets in, guy gets out, another guy gets in, cleans his stuff up, and they keep on rolling. So we don't have a lot of vehicles. Um, so we were relying on our DPU. Um, and their DPW, Department of Public Works, Utilities, to give us vehicles. It's not great when you return them and, well, you can't return them, like, they're completely on fire. It wasn't rolling. Yeah. It wasn't rolling. Like, <laughs> completely engulfed in fire. Um, so it's, those are the bridges you have to kind of mend. Um, since then, it took a little bit of time. Like, they basically, after we burned down a bunch of their rather expensive trucks, they were like, you're never getting trucks from us again. And rightfully so, right? Because just about how our budget works, they're probably not going to get replaced anytime soon. They definitely weren't repairable. And the city is self-insured. Yeah, <laughs> we're self-insured. Um, so it's there, you know, building those relationships. I can't stress that enough that Bill's taught me is building those relationships. And I know for the last few events now, we've started to be able to use those, those trucks again. Um, the other thing that came up was when they were like, we need cars now and we don't have them and they were gonna go renting, they were trying to find other rentals. I was like, have you talked to Fleet yet? Let's see if we can get out of Fleet. So during the beginning of it, um, <clears throat> we had Parks and Rec's vehicles that they were using. They were like, do you need a driver? And they were like, no, you don't wanna be driving around in this. Um, so we used some of the buses that they had. Uh, we did reach out and that's where that like, hey, we should be renting cars rather than using our own so that when something happens, we turn in the keys and get another one. And, uh, you know, that sounds bad, right? But people do that in rental cars all the time. We were just using it for good, right? Um, but, it, but it also made it so that, like what he was saying, with the different, different pieces and parts, you could get a different vehicle. A van's going to hold people better than a, than a cruiser will, right? So they were able to get vehicles that fit the need as well, renting them rather than trying to go through all the different folks in the, in the city. Um, <clears throat> 
oh my gosh, Don, I haven't had a lot of conversations about state assets. And then this still happens. Um, we had an event just the other day where I got a call from state, uh, the Capitol Police guy saying, I need you to request some trucks from VDOT. And I'm like, we've talked about this. You're a state guy, they're a state guy, you guys talk. Right, because we would get in the middle of these things during this, so we'd have a, hey, get some VDOT trucks, and I'd be like, hey, VDOT, we need these trucks and this, and they'd be like, no. Be like, your people requested it, right? We're working together, so it added time, effort, and energy to making that happen because it was the local versus the the state request, right? Uh, We don't work for the governor in the city, right? But we want to make sure that, that we've got those pieces moving in the right place, right? Who's asking for the right asset so that we don't come up to those roadblocks of why does the city need it? No, it's the, it's the state. It's around the Capitol Square. Um, and they were heavily involved, right? That's a whole other piece we haven't even scratched the surface of is that monument in the picture belongs to the city of Richmond. The Lee Monument did not. So we had the city around it where the Lee Monument was state property, so it was one of those like, but that's in the city, but it's your monument, you know? So we, we had a lot of those conversations on who's bringing what to the table, how is it getting requested, how should it go through, right? And then we all know without a declaration, we're not getting some of those assets moving. And when I say I put in a lot of requests that said, as long as there's no cost to the city at the bottom, there were a lot of those that we tried to make happen. Because of that, we, we knew there was a declaration, and if it wasn't, They were going to come back and say, sorry, there's the National Guard bill. We were like, we'll figure it out another way. So that comes back to that why we only have one car for two officers on a shift. So, I mean, this is a huge piece. I think this is something that we picked up throughout. Um, We brought in the National Incident, uh, National Capital Region, and the Hampton Roads folks. You guys made a ton of contacts. The contacts with them, uh, we do work with the Central Virginia team, you know, it's during COVID, right? Those guys are dealing with that. Um, the NCR team, Hampton Roads team, you know, we work with them on numerous events. Uh, from a police side, it's probably harder for most jurisdictions to accept an incident management team coming in. I'm, I'm telling you, as, as the guy in uniform here, we'll probably tell you the same thing. It's, it's hard for us to say we need help. Uh, I need you to take plans over operations or et cetera. It's, it's just really, really hard. The way we were able to sell it is explain it to our leadership. Hey, like I need help just because these guys come in doesn't mean that they're taking the whole thing over. We're not given the delegation of authority that they take the whole thing, but I can bring in separate sections. So instead of having, you know, 10 guys for ground support that are sworn guys with firearms that could be out there helping other officers, we could bring in, I know Hampton Roads has helped us before, they've signed up for logistics, probably thinking that they were gonna do little logistics and then finding out that they're driving dump trucks around downtown right near where people are protesting. Um, with the NCR guys, they've, they've definitely opened our eyes a lot more with the digital aspect of instead of doing T-cards, doing all of our stuff digitally, sharing it with all of our commanders, live time of, of type of resources we have in play, as well as the different situational reports. So, I mean, we're all here for that networking piece of this, right? So that was one of the reasons I want to make sure I got him here. There was one point where he said, hey, who do you know at the convention center? And, you know, you guys know, you got to be careful who you give your contacts to, right? (laughs) Because you want them to answer the phone when you call and they won't do it if they're like, you sent me that guy. So I said, here's who you want to talk to, head of the convention center. 
Next day it's, hey, we're having this meeting at the convention center. So it's like, that's awesome. We've got them networking with some of these folks and making that happen. So we started doing that, like, he's over there, how do I get a hold of the War Memorial? And so we're making that happen. And then we're hosting our, our command uh, post in the, in the War Memorial. So that's been huge for us with not just our city structures and looking at what we have, but all of our other partners there as well and uh, sharing some of the love with that, right? Most of them want to see the, the want to help us out. They want to see Richmond turn out okay. So they're, they're happy to help with that. Um, we already talked about some of those logistics, you know, that, that normal, how we do things with our P card, but also, wow, knowing some of our friends and partners, um, there was a lot of those like, hey, if you reach out to so-and-so, they got this. And so we'd work on making those things happen as well. We're running low on time, so we've got to hit our last slide here. It also built up some of our internal relationships. You know, our works director and deputy director got brought in a whole lot more and started to build these relationships with folks, knowing what the needs were. And it, and it started to kind of drive that collaboration within the city, not just that when they're needed. So. Uh, IT, oh my gosh, y'all, we have these huge events where we've got seven or eight different agencies in and they always bring in IT last. It's true, it was like, we're gonna do this awesome thing and then it's like, can you get the state police and VCU and all these on our network tomorrow? And they're like, no. So we've been trying to cross that as well. All right, so the challenges, right? <clears throat> so we've got the state capital we would have some state agency heads talking to some of the folks that they knew that knew folks within to try to get some information so they could be like, hey, you know what I heard about the protests in Richmond? And it was like, there's a sit rep, go to the right person to get the sit rep. We're not gonna play these, let's go around the block, right? And see how we can do it. So we have a lot of fun with some of those political pieces in the city that, that made it very interesting. Um, it was, it was very interesting with some of the collaboration and some of those pieces, right, with the turf part of it. <clears throat> like I said, the, the Lee Monument belonged to the state. That's what took so long to get it out to. There was a huge legal battle, and I won't forget, it was uh, one of the Capitol Police folks was like, that statue ain't coming down anytime soon. I was like, what do you mean? He said, it's deeded in the land. So that kept it going because now we can't even take it down without all this legal recourse. So seeing these different, uh, the needs that came out and the way that we kind of uh, adjusted that, right? <clears throat> we had tons of, of folks that came from different agencies to help us out. Um, moving that down to that resource fatigue piece though, doesn't mean they have a ton of those guys that can come help us out. So we had like the Department of Corrections would bring a bus and staff it. If it's a 12 hour shift and we're doing this all summer, do they have enough folks that can help us with that? You wanna talk about intelligence? Yeah, so <laughs> intelligence sharing, um, this is something we, we've got almost down to a science now as far as just with the Fusion Center. I, th I think most of y'all know about the Fusion Center here at State Police. We feed stuff in, they feed stuff out to who what different agencies need stuff, right? Whether it's down at the beach area, we see a lot of the, we had a certain person we were talking about earlier, it's the same person of interest that we talk, we talk about in our intel briefings, I was talking to Joe about earlier. Um, but it's the intelligence sharing, not only at, the, at our level, right, so as managers, 
but also pushing it down um, to the group supervisors um, as well as just boots on the ground. The group supervisors should be pushing it out, uh, but that's some of the issues we found is it, it really boiled into the fatigue side of it. Our guys were so fatigued after working 100, literally 200 days straight, 150 days straight, um, 12 hour shifts, it, it just became harder and harder to, to share stuff that they were getting from them as well. So kind of plays a hand, roll, roll, you know, 14 days is I think what typical IMTs push out with, but when you don't have any of that other support, what other people in your agencies are trained to do what you do. So for example, uh, when civil unrest started, Will just jumped on board with us. I was the only one that had the training and we were, I just came in the position and then we had, we got him on board with it and he has another person that's getting on board. So we had that line of succession to, to keep it going. So the, we, we're almost to the end. But one thing I wanted to talk about too. <clears throat> so how many folks have been in an EOC for more than one day? What about more than three days? Four? Five? What about three weeks? How are tensions in the EOC after a week of y'all working together, right? So we had, I mean, you know, you get that where, and, and so that was definitely something where the, the grumbling, the like, you could, you could see the angst between some of the folks that, you know, normally work together, but yeah, I know, it was good. Um, so there is that big piece that, right, when you're doing it for the 200 days and you're in the same room with the same people, there was a lot of that personal fatigue that, that came in, not just that people were tired. Um, and then the last thing is that uh, those mobile camera systems, that was one of the challenges we really, we still face, right? We've got VCU who has a ton of cameras with their system, but it doesn't work when they're connected on the city network. State police has a nice camera system they can put in, but it works on their system. So now we've got to integrate all of these different systems and things. Um, we just consolidated all of our cameras in the city under our 911 center not too long ago. Can you imagine what a lot of our camera issues were in the city? Oh, pull up that intersection. Yeah, it doesn't work. What about that? No, it's not working either, right? Because there were different agencies managing it. So if that intersection went out and it wasn't important to that agency, they didn't fix the camera, but it might be important to them. And they're like, why is that camera down? So we really did have to try to see what we can do to fill those gaps. Um, we've actually bought, we haven't bought it yet. We got a grant for like a towable generator camera mount so we can put a camera where we need it for special events and things. Um, we are at the end of our time, so we don't want to hold you guys anymore. Do we have any questions? We're going to put our contact information up here so that you guys can reach back out. What can we answer question-wise since we're right at the end? That's my cell number up there. Feel free to text it. Don't worry, next week it will become his. You can text as much as you need. <laughs> now it will always be mine. You can uh, email me as well if you need anything from our department. Uh, I think everybody I've talked in here is in some form of emergency management. And I know you guys don't hear this a lot, but from the police department, thank you. All right, your work goes un unnoticed a lot of times. Um, and I'm sure a lot of police officers are probably not the friendliest to you because we see you at the times where, you know, we're at day 100 and we're just pissed at everybody, all right? But I tell you right now, thank you. With that being said, it's on you guys as well to make sure that we're being safe about things, all right? That we're, the, the problems and issues that Will and I and uh, Bill and Anthony and Vic and everybody back there face during civil unrest doesn't happen to you again, all right? 
don't learn the way we learn. It sucks. Officers get hurt. Um, I mean, I can't stress enough of things where we were like, man, should we have done this differently? Um, if you guys have any of this type of stuff come up, feel free to reach out to us. You know, paid, unpaid, we're willing to come to you and just give you our input of things that happened to us. Uh, one last thing that uh, we didn't put in here is we actually recently did a review of the last time we had protests on these side, uh, of this side, this size in the city of Richmond, was in the 80s. Tactics were exactly the same exactly to a T. The way that we made teams, everything, and I can tell you it wasn't because we had the, the guys that were working in the 80s still here. Things don't change, okay? So the next time you guys, hopefully we don't have it in our generation, if you have riots or any type of civil unrest, you have questions. I know we've worked with Norfolk in the past with some intel stuff. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. I mean that sincerely, all right? Thank you. Thank you all.